0: Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them.
1: Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm really great. So we are bringing back our guests from last week. I'm so excited. We have Judy Oidelli, and we have... Sasha Farley here from other parts of the world, basically, <laughs> to talk to us again and to help us kind of unpack a little bit more about human flourishing. So it's very exciting. We're, we're glad this is the first time we've done a two-part series here. And I want to welcome both of you back with us today. And well, let's get started. We yeah, get started. sounds great. great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start with the, the first question, which is, Sasha, you called human flourishing a big, hairy, amorphous challenge. What makes human flourishing a big, hairy, amorphous challenge? And where do you see hope in moving towards a solution?
2: Mm -hmm. First off, I love that I called it that because every time I hear it, I laugh. So it brings me joy.
1: (laughs) It does feel good to say it too. (laughs)
2: That's good to know. Um, I consider it that because we talked a little bit about the elements last time, that there's like kind of five elements, but you can also just put it down into purpose, relationships and like positive emotions. But that makes it sound so simplistic when you think about it from a global perspective, it is way more complex than that. We are talking about a change to our fundamental systems of how we do things to achieve flourishing, um, like we talk about from an economic system, or educational systems, even how we define, like what we consider professionalism at work and how our businesses function. A lot of it's already happening, which is good, <laughs> uh, slowly, but surely, I guess. Um, but it makes it this untenable, hard to kind of put your arms around hard to even understand what you're looking at sort of a challenge that we are facing when we're trying to realize what human flourishing is. For me, though, I see that as actually like one of the best opportunities for it, because when something is still in a stage where it hasn't been fully defined, like human flourishing is, if you look it up, you'll see a million different definitions. Yeah. It means that it is still at a stage where it is honestly largely being driven by individuals and groups in a way in which we can shape what it looks like in the future, a way in which it's not. Mm so clearly defined that it will leave people out, where it will disenfranchise, where it will create more challenges than it solves. And I think even in describing it like that, it creates it even more amorphously. It becomes a more amorphous thing because as we talked about, human flourishing is just Mm so varied by the individual and it's more about how you are feeling as an individual and from a societal level creating the structures and the Mm -hmm. systems to allow individuals to figure out what it is for them and then live that life Mm -hmm. the way that they want to live it and so that is like a really tricky thing to conceptualize especially given where we are now and how everything's set up (laughs) yeah that's so
0: that's um <laughs> I was like, it really is a big, hairy, amorphous challenge. <laughs> yeah. The
2: good description. We have to
0: just, it's its like you were saying, you know, like start at the individual level, mm-hmm. start where we can put our arms around something and then take the next step and the next step and the next step. And that, that possibility in the ambiguity that gives us that opportunity to impact it. Mm-hmm. And we have to hold that, that possibility. And maybe a little bit of the uncomfortableness that sometimes this uncertainty can bring. It's like, but wait, I want to know the answer, right? And the answer is coming from us engaging in that process. It's kind of like what we're talking about even just with organizational development, right? It's we're not giving an answer to people. We're helping people come up with their own answer for themselves. What does it mean? But the collective... We've actually been talking quite a bit uh, with a lot of guests about this. It's like starting with the individual and it's the collective power mm-hmm. of that as it comes together, starting there. Yeah, everybody doing a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's, we all come with different perspectives and often just identifying it from an individual perspective enlightens others and actually brings some of that stuff to life so yeah I think it's it's so important and and you're right we have heard it a lot and it seems to be right now so important for us to be looking at things that way you know a lot of times we do things in a vacuum all by ourselves and it's not getting us anywhere so this is this is important
0: I want to touch back to, I know this is a little off script. That's. I never do that, though. I never go off script.
1: <laughs> Just every <laughs> single episode.
0: <laughs> um, to kind of where we had left the conversation in the last episode, in episode one, um, around that people experience it differently. People are starting at different places. And that it's important mm-hmm. to recognize that, when we're looking at flourishing, there are some things that have to be in place before people can flourish, just some real basics about meeting basic human needs. And so I want to just kind of bring that back into the conversation a little bit. So while we're all individually responsible for our own flourishing, there are certain groups that are starting at a different place. And I think thinking about our responsibility in unpacking that a little bit and and helping to see that maybe we have a responsibility to help others flourish as well not just focusing on how I flourish any thoughts about that
3: yeah it's an interesting conundrum we do as individuals have a responsibility for our own flourishing but you cannot do it alone right yeah the the relationships piece Mm -hmm. and I think like this this connects us a larger thing that I've been observing and learning kind of, it it especially became really crystal clear to me at the ODN summit where we led the track on human flourishing in designing all of that. Sasha, I don't know if you felt this, but I was feeling a huge responsibility like, Oh no, I have to make sure that this is really good and this is perfect. And that by the end of it, everyone is walking away with, having made progress on flourishing. How am I going to design that? I don't know. We did the best that we could, but what became so clear once we started the actual summit and we actually brought people together in the room is exactly what you said before. The answer comes from the act of engaging with the question Mm -hmm. with other people. So... Yes, there are going to be groups are going to be individuals who are starting at a different place with flourishing, but the only way to make progress is to connect with other people and engage around the answers to those questions. Um, And then that's where I think that even if you, you as an individual, you're starting at a very different place, like you have many different privileges that other people don't have when it comes to basic needs or flourishing engaging with that question not necessarily on their behalf because they don't really need you to do it on their behalf they have full agency and power to solve their own problems but to engage with that hard question Mm -hmm. um engage with somebody else's uh current state with humility with um with a way that honors where they are and trusting that they know where they are and that they are going to be able to understand and tell you what they need. You don't need to prescribe it to them. You don't need to solve the problem for them per chance, but be with them and support them in solving the problem. Yeah, I think that is the, that's kind of like my perspective on that piece of it. And like this idea of like Sasha, this big hairy amorphous challenge, it can feel so overwhelming when we think about all the things that are needed, if we want to create human flourishing at a societal level, but the experience at the ODN Summit, where we brought together, I think it was about 75 people who accepted the invitation to engage with the question of how do we create human flourishing at a societal level, my God, it was transformational for me, Uh, I can uh, say, because like, all of that like anxiety and worry and how are we, like that that fear of i don't know how we're going to solve this went away mm. there were 75 people who were engaging in that question and approaching it from all different perspectives and levels and different aspects of human flourishing that they were curious they had motivation and passion and interest around being in that room was a real experience of oh, if we can do more of this, bring people together more in this way, have people accept the sincere invitation to let's come together and try and work on this, I have no worries that it's going to be completely possible, completely within our capability as a society to actually create what we want to see in the Mm -hmm. world, which is everyone flourishing. Yeah.
2: I think also one of the interesting parts is the ODN summit actually, uh, we ended with six to eight different small places they wanted to tackle that they moved on and continued to move on um, after the conference. So like, again, it's not on each of us. It's not on Judy to then solve the problem and then do the work to fit. The yeah. problem. It's on everybody to do pieces of it. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I want to mention before we move on, because I think it's a really important piece about this, especially with the question that you had, right? About some people don't have some of the basics to be able to even be thinking about flourishing. One pattern that comes up a lot around it is it's like, okay, well, if I want to help other people flourish, I'm, I'm going to ask them what they need from me.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's important to recognize that the asking, about things that people should have but don't because of structural or Mm -hmm. systemic issues is actually inducing pain and is actually Mm. making people sit in hard truths that it might not actually be helping in the way that people think it is. And so one of the things I just wanna kind of also put out there is there has been a lot of conversation about this stuff already. And most of the time your question has probably already been answered by that very population themselves in some way, shape or form. Yeah, And so like, instead of just thinking the solution or the help to help fill these gaps is, having more conversations. It's really this drive to help try to move to mm-hmm. action, suggest actual actions, and then check if those actions will actually help mm-hmm. the people you're trying to achieve instead mm-hmm. of putting all of the burden on them to identify their own challenges and identifying their own solutions and shape and design everything. Sometimes it can be taking some of the load off and then defining and refining and, and making changes from there after starting a little bit of, based on what's already been shared. Um, There are other instances where people will opt in to be in that space of discomfort. Um, The Aspen Institute is one of those. They opted in to be in that space of having conversations about well-being, which is not necessarily a a wonderful topic when you're in a place where it's really difficult to have well-being,
1: Um,
2: but it's either you opt in or you try to take some of the theoretical load off and use the information that's already been shared with you to suggest actions to then check back with people so it's like this circular thing of just cautioning to not put more burden onto the communities that already are having more burden (laughs) than other people yeah thank you
0: for bringing that up i think that's really really important for people to hear and it really resonates for me as we think about um us taking our own personal responsibility to understand mm-hmm. what's important to others um, and and to educate ourselves. It kind of goes back to that we can't keep asking the marginalized populations to keep telling us what they need. Like you said, see what's out there, do your reading, do your educating, propose something and have a conversation about that, but not re-traumatizing people over and over and over. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. really helpful.
1: So is so anyone actually getting this right? And and do you have any examples at all of, of where that might be taking place?
3: All the episodes of our yeah. podcast. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> but Sasha, go ahead. I think you were going to share because you've, you've done a deeper dive more most recently into all those different episodes that we had for a different webinar we were doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so... There are collective patterns that we see in what people are doing. Um, I think overall, I'll summarize the overall ones. (laughs) Um, When you look at like what people do, like the overarching framing people use when they do this work, it's more successful when you take a systemic and iterative frame, which like everything we do in ODs like that. But the specific questions that are asked when we talk about human flourishing are around like what steps can you take to move to action and build on purposeful iteration, similar to what we just mentioned. And then also what will transform the feelings of overwhelm into energy and opportunity? Mm. Because honestly, no matter how small of a topic you take in this, it can be overwhelming. Right. Um, one of the examples that we had there was actually one of our guests, Russ Gaskin, who works to establish something called the Clean Electronics Production Network. And his group, when they do this in multiple places, um, use a really interesting technique. The Clean Electronics Production Network is basically the, the one the, they are working to try to eliminate workers exposure to toxic chemicals in the electronic supply process globally, which has over 8 million people involved. Mm. So it's a very wow. complex thing. Um, and the work that they do whenever they tackle these global challenges is they start by identifying and mapping the entire system. Um, which can you imagine for this system was huge and it took almost three hours to walk through it (laughs) and it left people feeling overwhelmed but the way that he explains it right is that's actually when the magic can happen because that's when people start to let go of the individual ideas that they come into groups with like "I, I know how to solve this I know what I want I know I want to leave this with this right. Once you actually allow people to recognize how overwhelming something is, it actually opens people's minds to be able to be more engaging. And so, the way that their group goes about doing that stuff is really powerful. Then use a like an energizing, collaboratively created goal that happened beforehand to then bring people back in to be like, okay, you let go of all your preconceived notions. You're like individual. I want this out of it. Let's use our goal to bring us back, energize, and then move forward to a common solution. Um, that is from a more open-minded perspective Mm -hmm. than people can initially start with. So that was really interesting when we saw that stuff happening. When we look at like who contributes and who is impacted, this kind of gets a little bit back to what we were talking about before. They're designing them as participative and diverse, but specifically (laughs) that means who should be involved from the start And who are the marginalized voices that we can bring into this center? So like, how can we have them in the main part of the conversation? As we mentioned before, people should opt into things, shouldn't feel like coerced into doing work. If you're willing to do the work, it's great. The Aspen Institute with their Youth and Young Adult Wellbeing Measures Project, which we've mentioned multiple times in this, did a really good job in this. One of the things that really came out when they allowed the youth who were they, they were tasked with understanding what well-being means for their own communities, and they were trained and supported in figuring out how to design the data collection, conduct the data collection, provide any support that they needed and analyze and present the results. What happened and came out of that when they were telling us a story that I think is really important and why it's so, and so important to think about who's involved in these is they identified that by the nature of asking these questions of their community, they were causing harm with some people by bringing up traumas by mm-hmm. simply asking the questions and so they were yeah. able to identify it and then ask for support for these people from like mental health services and access and those sort of things so that they weren't just leaving them out in the lurch like thanks for the data glad you're not in a great place bye they <laughs> had let them yeah. and they like gave them and put them in contact with people who could then help them in that space mm-hmm. so i think it's really hard for people outside of environments where you're doing work where you're trying to make changes to recognize when some of that stuff is happening which is why it's so important to like the participatory part of some of these designs is so crucial. Yeah. And then when we think about the last thing about like how you engage with them, we were seeing that they leverage two different pieces really well, dialogue and then perspective shifting. Like dialogue in terms of how can you structure conversations to create deeper understanding of emotions and thoughts. So not just discussion or conversations, but like deep connections and shared understanding and the perspective shifting around how can you shift the way you are thinking about things, which is very crucial when we're doing human flourishing work, because Mm -hmm. most of the time it is about a perspective shift. There are lots of different ways that people do this sort of stuff. If you wanna learn more the human systems dynamics work that Glenda Yang and a bunch of them do have really good structures in being able to do this. Um, One of the big things that I think is really helpful is they have this concept that helps address when you get into positions where you have paradoxes, which happen a lot in human flourishing. One example that they kind of shared with us was there was this group this think tank that was created because they saw the global was going to be changing in a massive way and they wanted to prepare for it so they asked themselves the very typical questions right like what are we currently doing where do we want to be what are the gaps and then how do we address them and get to where we want to go and they got stuck in the action planning like everybody does because they were stuck in these big paradoxes of like we want to work and respect the laws but we also think some of the laws are unjust We want to address things from a global perspective, but we also want to respect and understand the importance of the individual perspectives that are involved. And so they're getting stuck. They're like, how do you do both of these things? And the structured tool that Human Systems Dynamic uses for this is not asking either or or even both and, but asking the question of which one, how much and when. Um, which is a really helpful tool to kind of show they can both be true at the same time, but they might not be, the, both of them might not be the most important right now. And so focus on one first, figure out what you want to do around that, not saying you're never going to look at the other one, but then later when the other one becomes more relevant, focus there. Once you have actions and context and pieces so that's that driving towards action that we talked about before. And so there's lots of people who are doing really interesting work here and using very interesting frameworks. And those are like the six elements that we've seen that are really common across all of them. So everybody needs to pause their, their
0: listening and go <laughs> back and re-listen to that one yes. about three times. I know I'm going to. That was fantastic. It was chock full of really good stuff. Jones. Thank you for
1: sharing that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it definitely, it it maps it out so much better. I think we, you know, I, I don't even think that far into it at this point because I'm still learning, right? But this is very insightful. I mm-hmm. think that, um, please, listeners, go back and listen to this part again. This was really good. And we are going to uh, be grabbing some major gems out of this part. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um,
0: and I love the just that reiteration of, Sometimes to get out of feeling overwhelmed, it's taking an action. So don't stay stuck there. I think that's what I was right. hearing you say. Don't stay stuck in the overwhelm. Just pick something which seems to be the most urgent or the, the thing that you want to prioritize first. And be okay with putting the other stuff to the side for the moment. Recognize you, you can go back to it at any time. But take some action. Start moving. Start moving. And that will help lead you out of the overwhelm. Yeah, that was really cool.
1: And, you know, it's funny. That's so foundational. We, we think that that should be pretty easy to do. But when we're stuck, we're stuck. And we cannot see past that moment. You know, we're completely blind to whatever else is. Our, our, our scope becomes so narrow that we can't mm-hmm. see the possibilities outside of that. And so, yeah, that is just really important to, mm-hmm. to just take a step, right? Just do one thing. Pick one thing. Yeah. Thank you. So as you study
0: and talk about human flourishing, uh, you've been doing that now for several years.
2: What surprises you right now? For me, I think it's when I remind myself to think about the positive things, not let Mm. my brain naturally pull me towards the negative things. Yeah. There's a lot of change happening in the world and a lot of people challenging the status quo for the betterment of others, not even necessarily themselves. Uh, and so when I think about that, that's what really surprises me and also gives me a bit of hope because sometimes we can just think about all the all the negative things <laughs> of like, because the big picture is not necessarily all that wonderful when it comes to human flourishing, but there's hope on this horizon for me. And I think seeing how much influence individual people can have, even in this structure that we have with social media and things like that, which actually can be good, but can be bad. I'm mm-hmm. seeing some positives in it. And that I think is surprising and thinking about the ways that that might be able to drive some change in the future in these areas, mm-hmm. even forcing institutions that don't really want to go down this path to make some changes. We saw that with a lot of pushback to, yeah, of course, we're coming back to the office to, <laughs> Some of us are going to stick our foot in the sand, but a lot of us are going to um, find a way to kind of sort of get there. And so, I think it's really interesting to see that power at play.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. How I about
2: think, you, Judy? Yeah, I Any think the surprises? thing that surprises me
3: is how attainable it feels when it—it it really does. Like the I, and maybe this is from the. The benefit of the perspective of having studied it for a couple of years and led the human flourishing track and like been in rooms and spaces where I've seen the energy, I've seen what can happen when really smart and not just smart, but people who are really open to listening to others come together and have made the decision, I want to do something about this and I want to do something about this with other people. Um, I feel like just those two things being unlocked, like, opens up so many possibilities. So I feel like that's that's kind of like my going into 2024. I'm like, I need to create either do whatever I can to either be in those spaces or create more of those spaces mm-hmm. where people can come together mm-hmm. and have these conversations that matter. But then also be working towards action together in community, in collaboration with each other around these different Human flourishing challenges, yeah. Wow. And I
0: think in order to do that, people have to kind of touching back to a question that we had in the last episode is like, who's responsible? Who who's accountable for this? Everyone is,
3: right?
0: Yes. <laughs> Organizations are also accountable for this, mm-hmm. and so they also need to recognize that that that's important to their organization. To have conversations about flourishing, that it's a positive thing for their organization.
1: Yeah, it kind of leads into the next question, I think, which is you know taking it from that theoretical stance into a more practical. What what can leaders and we do believe that everyone leads. So, what can leaders do to help further and foster human flourishing?
2: Yeah, think keeping I, it top of mind
1: mm-hmm. is yeah.
2: important. <laughs> Um, I know when I'm doing work, even doing or redesign work, I, I've been thinking about how to build this stuff into the structures, but then also build it into the mindsets of leaders. Um, so a lot of the more recent leadership perspectives, I think actually could fit really well with the PERMA model we introduced last time, mm-hmm. right? Positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and achievement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those actually fit very well. They, they don't fit perfectly, but they can fit within existing organizational structures a lot actually if you just make some adjustments to say that these are some of the things we're going to be striving for as an organization as a team that i want to mentor my people for that i want to lead up to my own leaders around that these are the important characteristics and when we do this we will be successful because achievement is one of them right yeah so like when we're talking about human flourishing we're not talking about, I d- like just want to be happy. Right. It's I want to be purposeful. I want to have meaning. I want to think that the work that I'm doing is worth something. I don't want to feel like I'm just stamping a piece of paper and don't understand why this is important. I want to understand the impact of what I'm doing. And that is not antithetical to successful organizations. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's about shifting mindsets like that with leaders yeah. and using yeah. some of these models to help remind regularly because <laughs> it's not ingrained enough yet. To be thinking about these elements holistically together and that you can have achievement with positive emotions, yes. with engagement. And you can probably have better achievement sure. <laughs> with positive emotions yeah, sure. and relationships. Yeah.
0: Anyone struggling with turnover issues, here you go. This is a path that's going to help you with that. Or struggling with actually recruiting people into your organization, mm-hmm this is a path to help people get there. And yeah. you know, we
1: so often just label that as engagement, but it's mm-hmm. so much more than that, you yeah. know. And and I think that's why often organizations struggle with that topic of engagement because they're not hitting the mark. They're they're hitting a piece of it. So this is to me mm-hmm. this is goes uh, many steps beyond simple engagement in an organization. I work with engagement a lot, so I know this is so that's I'm like taking copious (laughs) notes because (laughs) I really I really want to see if we can shift that that focus from simple engagement based on 62 questions, right, to Mm -hmm. um, something that is much more meaningful and much more intentional for anybody who's listening, who has engagement is something that they deal with. You might want to consider rethinking that you know, and and seeing if your leadership might be open to entertaining a different way of looking at flourishing.
3: Yeah. The only other thing I'll add is you, and this has come from like engaging around this topic with leaders and like teams and just other individuals in like workplace settings and, and introducing this to them. I think a really important thing to remember is you have to be it while you build it. Mm. So, and (laughs) I'm not going to pretend like, Oh, and that's the easiest part of it. That's actually the hardest part of it. (laughs) Yeah. So if we're like for like, like your original question, Crystal was like four leaders. Like what are some like practical, actionable things that they can do start there. You have to be it while you're trying to build it if you're trying to create or foster more human flourishing in your organization you have to be doing that for yourself Mm -hmm. in your own life as well you you can't go out and like promote something that you don't understand or believe in either so there's it always it's always going to start with you And like in that exploration of what that even means for you, you might run into some hard questions or some hard truths, hard realizations. Um, And that's the space where as a leader getting really good at holding both the pain Mm -hmm. that can come with thinking about and trying to create more human flourishing and the hope of what it means and what it could mean for you and for your team and for your organization that is another skill to cultivate a muscle to build for yourself as a leader. Yeah. Human flourishing is fantastic, but it's not something that isn't going to require a lot more of you than it does right now. Like it, it will always require more of you to actually create it in the world than is probably happening right now. So it's it's a worthy goal to stretch your muscles around yeah. and it's going to really require some good old stretching.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I love that because it, it is really providing an example. It's being that point of reference for people to see what it, what it looks like too. If you're not mm-hmm. there to live it with them, how do you ever expect it to be sustainable? Right? So yeah. Such an important point. Yeah.
0: So we've dedicated two episodes to this really important topic, human flourishing. And we know there's so much more to learn. We could spend 10 more episodes at least, right, on this. But we are going to bring it to close. But I want to give you an opportunity to talk sort of just top line. What do you hope our listeners are taking away from this conversation?
3: I think for me, it's that last thing I just said. You have to beat it while you build it. I think for everyone that put that on a post-it note, put it on your, yeah. your monitor. Like I, do.
2: <laughs> I yeah. do the
3: things I need to remember.
2: <laughs> I think for me is challenge some of your assumptions, I guess, or like question where it's coming from. Mm. Cause a lot of this, like we talked about is around changing the way we think about things and the way we've been taught to think about things. Like our education systems from the industrial age, it, taught us to work in factories and that's not really where we work anymore and that's not really conducive to human flourishing so challenging challenging things is the way to kind of get to to human flourishing to rethink and reshape your perspectives
0: be
1: comfortable with the discomfort Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) get comfortable with it
1: yep love that so if listeners would like to learn more about this area or this topic are there a few resources that you might be able to provide us with that you believe would be most beneficial and a really good place for people to start?
3: I think one place to start would be checking. Hmm, I know I kind of like docked it a little bit earlier, <laughs> maybe in the previous episode, but the Harvard Human Flourishing Program, they have a lot of resources um, on their website and they have, they have done, uh, there's a research study that they have done and produced. Um, and they have even a little quiz that you can take if you wanna check in <laughs> on your own flourishing using their kind of framework.
1: Wow. Okay. Um,
3: okay. I would recommend checking that out. Um, eventually be on the lookout in 2024, Sasha and I might be writing an article <laughs> about this. Oh, <laughs> Yay, nice. I'm saying it on a recorded we platform will be writing so we away. have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: gonna happen. Yeah.
3: yeah,
0: yeah. And you've got some great stuff on your podcast as well, yeah.
3: Yes, Mm -hmm. and check out our podcast and some of the previous episodes that we've done. Yeah, to see examples. That's
0: transformation. Another good horizon. Sorry, (laughs) I was trying to say the the title of it: Transformation Horizon. Right? Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. It's on all the major platforms. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Another
2: good resource for people who do a lot of work in workplaces, which I know a lot of the leaders who listen to you guys' podcast do, um, is the Surgeon General created a framework for workplace mental health and well being. Mental health and wellbeing is a piece of human flourishing, as we talked about. It, it's not all of it, but it actually includes a good amount of the elements that are relevant for it. And from a workplace perspective, and sometimes leaders, it's important to have a official document to yeah. help with some conversations. So uh, that might be a helpful resource as well to review. Great,
0: thank you. Yes, Great. we'll we'll put um, links on our episode. Thank you, you for do. that. We will. Yeah. So, transitioning a little bit, we are asking all of our guests as part of the research that we're doing around hope, are hope questions. And people, we ask our guests, people can also go um, to our website. We've got a link there where they can fill out a survey and answer these questions as well for themselves. So we're going to dive into that and you'll each get a chance to answer these questions. We'll go one question at a time. So whoever wants to start first, where do you see signs of hope in the world today? Sasha pointed at
3: me. Um, where do I see signs of hope in the world today? I think with all of my clients. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, even though I mean like if you're calling me, it's probably because you're in a dysfunctional organization and you don't know what to do to like fix it or or even like what should be the next step. But, and with all of that, every single organization that I've worked with, especially this past year, but even even over the past 10 years, I see so many signs of hope because I'm, I'm, whenever I go in, I'm always amazed by how much people care about Mm. each other, care about the work and the impact that they're doing. And that's why they're calling in someone for like a Hail Mary help us. We don't know (laughs) what's going on here and we know that this isn't working and we want something else. So I think like that always even though there's always a lot of challenges and problems that they're dealing with and leaders are seeing and they're dealing with themselves, they they want to create more human flourishing. They want to create more flourishing either through the impact of what the organization does or usually also in the way that they're doing the work together. That human desire for good and fruitful and energizing collaboration mm. is incredibly
2: energizing for me. Mm um hope for me comes from similar to Judy the people that I work with and the people that I talk to it's just the individual hope that I think each of us still has regardless of what's happening even when we're tired and exhausted and overwhelmed um there still is a kernel of wanting things to be better and wanting to do work to make it better um and I think that's really where the hope is in this because as long as we have that There is always going to be hope that something can be changing. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So how do you sustain hope for
0: yourself?
3: Doing the podcast. Ah, (laughs) Very good. It's like the conversations that we get to have, the projects that we get to learn about, like that was part of the original motivation of why me and Sasha started the podcast. It's like, I know that there are stories of like good stuff going on out there. So let's go and find them. Let's yeah. like take action. Let's take a first step and go and find those and bring more of those into our psyche um, and into yes. our into our work life. So that that's really one of the sustainers for me. Yeah,
2: lovely. Yeah, it's the reminding myself to purposely focus on the positive and not let our natural inclination towards the negative take over, mm-hmm. um, which is part of why we did the podcast to yeah. help us do that. Yeah. Um, but then also in my everyday life just reminding myself to. Practice gratitude, like some gratitude work, and then also just some reflections on things that are going right in the world Mm -hmm. and and ingesting more positive based news on purpose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That also helps.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So, how do you engage or inspire others to be hopeful?
3: Mm. I think one of the biggest themes that has come forward in over this past year, especially in my coaching work and in my consulting with organizations, organizational leaders, is helping people, everyone across the board at all levels of power within these different systems, find their space of agency and power. And whether that's through a coaching conversation where we're exploring, okay, this is the crappy situation that you're Mm -hmm. dealing with or that you have to deal with, but where is your agency and power in that? And that helps people feel grounded it helps them feel more hopeful that something that they can do something about a really challenging situation or um aspect of just trying to be human that can be really hard Yeah. i think like yeah that's how i've been doing it yeah
2: yeah you can be the change that you want to see mm. right like recognizing that piece of it that whatever is The most frustrating part of it what's within your control and a lot more is within your control than you might think or at least you can influence if it's not fully under your control even if it is in your immediate environment only um i like i try to again perspective should i first feel like i'm going all the way back to that one every single time Mm -hmm. it's like how can you shift your perspective to think about the pieces that you can influence And maybe challenge a little bit more than you think you have influence on. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of it's like, I really can't. But maybe ask yourself the question, is that really true? And if so, how can you influence it even in a small stage between your own in your own head, which can make a big difference, Mm -hmm. and in the conversations that you have with others and the relationships that you have with others. So trying to like shift some of that a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So wise. Last one on hope. If you could come up with one word that represents hope for you what would that word be and why
3: shift shift s h i f t shift oh interesting shift. so i think bam. like whenever uh-huh. the reason why is if we can okay here's the reason why <laughs> <laughs> if if the goal if i can focus my goal on just to create a shift and just to shift something just move it a little bit mm. that can unlock yeah. so many different things yeah if and whenever something does shift That that can be enough to like really change the whole game, change the change the whole landscape, change the whole perspective around it. So I think like focusing on creating or contributing to as many shifts as possible, Mm -hmm. that gives me a lot of hope. Mm -hmm.
2: Love that. Pressure's on. I know. I was like, you had the same shift this whole time, girl. And you stole it at the very end. Like, what's my second word? Shift. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My second word is possibilities. Mm. Because I think as long as you can think of other possibilities or other other options, Mm -hmm. um, there's always hope then in whatever you're struggling with. Mm. But really, it was shift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really, shift I uh,
2: forced you into a, a different one. It
0: forced you to shift a little bit. Yeah,
3: shifted you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and brought in a whole new thing. And I just, I was, uh, and I know we've got one, one more wrap-up question, but um, I'm just inspired by both of you, and you give me hope. You give me hope. I'm getting emotional. I just, it was, it's just been a fantastic conversation, and. I've loved spending this time with you. All right,
1: we've got one last question. We do, but i I have to say this has been quite a gift, mm-hmm. and you know, I came into this session today excited about the possibilities and and the shift. and <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like I feel like I'm walking away from this so much richer, and I can't even give you enough gratitude for that. That is just. It's been, it's been amazing, and I think people who listen to this are going to feel yeah. the same way. I yeah. really have no doubt. This, is, this was a game changer, so thank you. And so with that in mind, right, if you're, as we look forward here, what are you really excited about? What are, what are you going to be doing next that you want to share with us? I heard Let's the article. S-
3: the article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, keep reminding us of that because <laughs> I didn't put a Don't date on when the article would come out. So <laughs> we'll, we'll have you back. We'll
0: have you back when the yes. article comes out. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, in the immediate term, I am very excited about my honeymoon because <gasps> I'm going out of the country
2: for oh. a month. So <laughs> Yay, <laughs> excited not be
3: here. We're going to Japan and New Zealand. So I'm super oh, wow. stoked wow. about that. I'm going back home to my hometown in Japan, which is oh, going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, that's like personal stuff in terms of like uh, work and, and all that stuff. Like, uh, next year is just going to be another fingers crossed. Well, not fingers crossed. I'm projecting this. I'm putting that out in the world. I'm manifesting it. And that next year is going to be another year of supporting organizations with creating really impactful change. And like you read in my bio, I my whole passion is working with leaders who see that something needs to change and are, are able to realize, hmm, I might need some help with this. Right. I might need some help to think about this differently, to shift my own perspective around it
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, and just helping them do that is my jam so doing more of that under joy delhi consulting um yeah that's what i'm looking forward to i love
0: that
2: how about you sasha for me my personal goal is i'm starting to rock climb a lot more now so i'm looking forward to getting much better at that i did my first lead climb last weekend wow scary but exciting so i (laughs) want to do that on like a hard route i want to do a lead climb on a route where i'm like a little scared about it that's something I'm working for and I'm excited for because the route I did, I was like, oh, I can do this one. Um, <laughs> the, the On a person, on a career perspective, I, similar to Judy, I am looking forward to being able to continue this work that we've been talking about, right? Human flourishing through the individual actions of supporting organizations, just trying to make things better. I think when we talk about hope and stuff, a lot of people want to address the challenges that they have and- there's a lot of opportunity there in terms of helping shift that thinking and perspectives around what is that solution, help them find their own solutions with their own systems and help them think about it from different perspectives in terms of ways in which they can help address their own challenges. Um, And I love doing that. And I am very happy that basically things are largely back completely in full swing of being able to do things in person a lot more. I love virtual facilitation I'm good at it, but I also love nothing's the same as being in a room and feeling the energy especially when you're doing some of these um big scale thinking and or just having more interesting conversations it's really powerful Mm -hmm. to be in person so i'm definitely looking forward to doing more of that
1: so encouraging this is this is wonderful i it sounds like you've got a big big year ahead of you right Mm -hmm. this year Mm -hmm. so yeah but maybe
0: being able to um Fit in a couple more keynotes would be a good thing. Yeah, right? I
1: think that would be a great thing. And, and
0: we've got <laughs> Me to talk about <laughs> <of> it. <this. laughs> so I hope I, we we have wonderful listeners um, on this podcast, and and a lot of them are le- influential leaders. Yes. And so we hope that they reach out. This is a topic that everyone needs to hear about. And as we talked about, it's about personal accountability, but it's also about community and helping everyone flourish. So bringing you guys in to talk about this would, like you were talking, Tricia, it would take your engagement efforts really to that next level.
1: No, I do. I do believe that. I truly believe that. I also think, and this is just a side note, that that article, you may want to consider making that a chapter in a much larger <laughs> <way. laughs> book. Oh god. I mean, no pressure <laughs> girl. no Judy with that. No She's <laughs> like, "I barely
2: want to commit to this article."
1: <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, but let me just tell you. I mean, this is such a huge topic and it is such an important topic. And just the unpacking that we've done over mm-hmm. two episodes, that that's a snippet in time. Yeah. And from what we were getting from it, each of those gems unpacks into something yeah. way more, you yeah. know, enlightening. In, in so honestly, girls, let's talk.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, thank you again
0: so much for taking you. the time to be on the podcast. It's and such a pleasure. Especially, you know, sticking with us for two episodes. Um, it, it deserved that amount of time. Yes. And um, I, I, it was just really fantastic very,
1: oh,
2: very so joyful. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank it you. was so very fun. lucky. Very appreciative.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Well, that was spectacular, wasn't it?
1: It really was. I'm almost blown away. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, for an OD practitioner, this is like being in a candy store, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my word! Which jar am I going to put my hand in? Because yeah. there was so much there that it was quite. Both episodes we've had with this, the, these two wonderful women are, um, are just worth listening to again and again. There's, yeah. I have a feeling, and this has happened to us a couple of times now that that we were gonna, f- I were gonna find ourselves learning something new every time we listen yeah. because there's so much packed yeah. in this but oh uh, this delightful. is definitely i would put this as
0: one of the most powerful episodes um, especially since we got them for two episodes it was so nice of them to do yes. that with us yeah i'd have to agree yeah um so what a fantastic way to start the year right i just
1: happy um, new year everybody yeah what a
0: gift love it Yeah. So let's keep that conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. We have so many exceptional podcast episodes coming up more with fantastic guests like Judy and Sasha. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcast or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode informative or inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you've never done it before, this is the episode to do that with. Human flourishing, everyone needs to understand this and learn how to actually make it happen. This is
1: not a fad. No. This is something that we have needed for Ever. Yeah. And right now is the time to get started on yeah. this. Yeah, so so do share it with people.
0: Spread the love. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well, and there are a lot of links this time. So please, um, if you're interested in human flourishing, go to go to our website, to the show notes there, and you'll get some additional ways to dive deeper into this topic. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Finally, please take 30 seconds and follow us. It helps you because you never miss an episode and it helps us because you never miss an episode. To follow us, go to the Lifting Leaders podcast show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you're willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share the episode with a friend, we'd be so grateful. Thank you, Tricia, for another great episode. Thanks, Crystal. This was just quite a jam. Always fun to be with you. You too. Many thanks to you, our listeners. We appreciate you. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week. Thank you.